So if you need information for a huge project that you're working on or you're putting together some big event and you need some content, you need something big, where do you go for that information? We go to the source. We go to our boss or our supervisor. We go to those who plan the event or find out from uh, some good resources what occurred. You go to the top. The Magi did just that. They went to the king because they went straight to the powerhouse to find the king another king that they were seeking. They went to Herod because those in power would have that kind of information. They went to the people and the place, the palace where Herod was, expecting to find that Herod had had a son. Makes sense. In ancient literature, it is believed that astrological phenomenon occurred uh, it always accompanied a birth or a death of a notable king. However, astrologers weren't always seen in a positive light, and it is, was looked down upon by the religious leaders of the time. It's even mocked in, in our own scriptures that it is not a, a reliable resource uh, for people. And so... And which is, that's, I think, why we see that Herod's own leading priests and religious uh, laws were almost apathetic in their response when Herod was asking him about that. But J God chose to summon Gentiles. These aren't people who would normally seek out a baby for this Jewish community. But God chose to summon these, the Gentiles using their language and their way of doing things. He used some stargazers. When Herod proved to be oblivious and jealous and suspicious, uh, he, they, continued, they had to continue on past the powerhouse, the place to a smaller, lesser-known place of Bethlehem to find a baby king. They showed their respect, and in those times, if you simply genuflect and bow down, that is considered to worship. But they were filled with joy, and it says they found the baby in what we might think of equivalent of an attached garage, and they, but they were still wise enough to know that although that this family that was there was not what they expected, this baby was different. This baby had authority and was a king of the Jews. They believed that he was the Israelites' Messiah, their savior. They also believed that this baby had something to do with them and would save them as well. Which is why they didn't go back to Herod. They knew, and God had warned them. There were enough divine things happening that they had that awareness. 
But who did Jesus come to save? We already mentioned that at the time that Jesus was there, they were an oppressed people. So in Matthew 1, uh, Joseph is told that the baby that's conceived in, in Mary is done so by the Holy Spirit, and his name would be called Jesus so that he would be the savior of his people, saving them from their sins. In the Greek, it's kind of a play on word, Yeshua, Jesus, and to save is Yasa. So Yeshua came to Yasa, his people. Uh, we don't get that when we read it in the English, but in the context of the Israelites, uh, their concept of being saved was from the oppression that they were under at that time, uh, the rule of Rome. Uh, their own sin was beside the point. Their own sin was dwarfed in comparison to what was being done against them or to them. But that is not what the text says. The text says that Jesus will come to save the people from their own sin. That's got to be a tough message to hear. You're under oppression and there's something wrong with me. I think that was especially difficult for the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time who, as Jesus um, went into his ministry, was constantly criticizing because they missed the point. And I think that that's a good question for us too. What, is, what do I need to consider? What is the point? And what am I missing? Eugene Peterson says that one of the biggest mistakes that we make about with regard to the Bible is that we don't believe that it applies to me. So, of course, God loves you, or you they, because look at how amazing you are, and you do all the right things, and so God loves you, but does he love me? Or maybe we think, uh, well, thank goodness I'm not like them. I am not as bad a sinner as they are. And both of those concepts are wrong. God loves us. God loves me. God loves us corporately. And I am a sinner. We are sinners. And we need his forgiveness in, um, in his coming. We sang that in so many of the songs this morning. So the Magi went to the power center first, um, but they ended up in a room full of animals in a very humble setting. Uh, but, and sometimes images show us that the, the shepherds were there at the same time. We don't know whether they were there at the same time, if they were there at a different time. It's kind of unlikely that they would have been there at the same time. But either way, Jesus is worshiped and announced to both the Jewish community and the Gentile community. The Magi were the Gentiles. The shepherds were the Jewish people. The Magi were higher society and they were better educated. The shepherds were not. Right from Jesus' birth, he gathered people who were different from one another. Jesus came for all humankind. It doesn't matter. No one is excluded from this story. 
Moving into the um, Mark passage of Jesus' um, baptism, I'm going to read from verse 4 to 11. So there was a messenger that was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God for forgiveness. All Judea, all of Judea, including all of the people from Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So already we see some parallels that John drew a crowd, but he was pointing in a direction, and Jesus drew a crowd of people as well. And there's the the, um, saving from sins. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and honey. That little tidbit of information is meant to draw us back to Elijah who was the prophet for the Jewish people. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even, unwor- I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So John the Baptist appears in the wilderness, and he's preaching a baptism of repentance of and for and forgiveness of sin and we're told that the whole of judea and all of jerusalem are um went out to meet him so it seems like he's become kind of a mega church pastor with a commuter congregation coming out to him um, but he is very clear to them that his is not the best show in town he who comes after me Um, is more powerful than I am. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water. He baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So in ancient times, um, it's known that slaves had to do anything and everything that their master, their owner asked of them. And it was only the lowest of slaves who had to deal with the feet because the feet are the most, um, well, the, the dirtiest part of your body and the mo- the just a humiliating part of your body as well. And so to it was one of the most uh, humiliating tasks to deal with the feet. Um, and the straps of the sandals. And uh, yet John is making the point that I'm not even worthy to do that task. He put himself at the lowest of low and Jesus at the highest of high. And Jesus makes his way to John and is baptized by him. And as he rises up out of the water, the heavens are torn open and the Spirit gently comes on him. All three together 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are now together in front of the world there. And there is the voice bellows out this 13-word sermon that this is my son, my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And it's also notable that in ancient times, uh, kings had to be anointed before they could speak or act as a royal figure. Um, And accordingly, Jesus goes through that same sort of ancient anointing ceremony. First, in the ritual purification that they would have done in baptism. And then by the anointing of God's own spirit. Jesus hasn't even done anything yet to earn this blessing, but it just was. The Father lavishes his blessing on his Son, and he is revealing to the world that this man, this human flesh and blood person, is also divine and belongs to me. Last week, we sang the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of the Spirit in Mary, washed in his blood. The final verse says that filled with his goodness, and lost in his love. That's who we are. We're filled with his goodness because of what Jesus has done, and we are lost in his love. The reality is that as a follower of Jesus, and I really wish I could remember the names of that song, because it said that very thing, that because of Jesus' death and washing, we have been made new before we have done anything to earn it, that same blessing is on us. This is our story. This is our song. Like the wise man, I'm tempted to go to the powerhouse. I'm tempted to overlook the unassuming, the simple, the ordinary, and yet that's not where God works all the time. It it happens, but he works in the simple. And this message is for all of us. Living and celebrating Epiphany is this, that God is doing a new thing, and he continues to reveal who he is with us and in us. He is showing that he is human, He experiences or has experienced all the same irritations and frustrations and pain and suffering that we have experienced. He is also revealing to us that he, his spirit is in us. So we have the divine in us even in all of the things that we experience god comes again to be with us he is emmanuel that is what he has done for us and that allows us to live freely and lightly and in hope 
uh, let me pray and we can close our service God we are thankful and it is unimaginable unimaginable to us that we have the divine and the power in us because of what you have done you came as a little baby in physical form to give us your spirit you have baptized us with your spirit and we cling to you today and this year help us to see how you are continuing to reveal yourself in and through our lives individually but in and through one another as we encounter you in the people who are in this room and the people that we encounter at work and in our neighborhood and in the world speak lord your servant is listening amen